Hey everyone, it's Tanya, and I'm back again on another episode of Classroom to Copy. So today's uh, episode is really special because I've answered, you know, so many questions from teachers who want to become copywriters. I've interviewed teachers who have uh, become copywriters, and then today's special guest, to me, he represents, you know, the next step in the journey of uh, becoming a copywriter and leaving teaching and so much more than that you know he's where I want to be in the next three to five years and he's none other than the email copywriter himself Chris Orzakowski so he has his entire journey up on his website but I'm going to share some of the highlights because it's uh, pretty awesome you know from day one you know you said like you didn't know uh, you knew that you didn't want to work a job for the rest of your life you weren't sure what you were going to do so you start studying copywriting and then you land at your first gig. You realize, OK, this is the thing you want to do for the rest of your life. Uh, 2017, you know, you, you finally quit. And, you know, I think that's going to be a really exciting story to talk about. He became, uh, you know, you became your own boss, a full time email copywriter. It's been 10 years since uh, you started. So, like, you've, you know, have you've had all these like amazing clients like Jeff Walker, <laughs> Neurogym, The Hustle, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, $100 million in revenue uh, generated, and you've helped like over 4,000 students start their copywriting careers, and I'm I'm definitely one of them. <laughs> uh, I've taken so many of Chris's courses. Uh, when he hopped on the call, I just told him that he has saved me in the nick of time so many times because, you know, when I'm stuck, I'm not sure what to do. I, I always know that in his huge vault, of course, there's something there that's going to help me. Um, yeah, I, I, I just realized the intro is really long. I'd rather, like, <laughs> Chris tell that's him okay. himself. Um, yeah, he's been featured on Forbes, Business Insider. He has so much to share. We have so much to learn from him. So let's, let's start from the beginning, like, of your, your teaching background and, you know, how did you get into it? You know, what do you teach? Yeah, so um, I graduated with my special ed masters in 2013 and then I got a job immediately at a at an elementary school and I taught third fourth and fifth um yeah I think no sorry I taught fourth and fifth my first year and the second year was third fourth and fifth uh, I taught uh, special ed math and special ed ELA um and we did readers and writers workshop and uh everyday math I remember those are our programs um and it was uh you know it wasn't bad. It was tough. It was very hard. Um, you know, kids were awesome. You know, I like, I like the kids had some good coworkers. Um, but it just, it just wasn't for me to, you know, like it was very difficult. It's very difficult, especially as difficult as it is. Um, teaching two different subjects is difficult. Teaching multiple grades is difficult when you combine all those things in the one, um, you know, I showed up to school at two hours early and then, uh, staying two, three hours late. You know, so I'd work a good, you know, 12 hour day every single day, my whole first year. And then my second year, I was still kind of showing up early and working late, but not as much. But, uh, it was hard. And I remember like there was just this one moment for me when I looked at, you know, they have the, the salary guide, the step guide. Excuse me. And it says, you know, year one, you make this year two, you make this. And obviously that changes with contract negotiations and things. But I looked and on that one piece of paper, it was like every dollar I was ever going to make in my life. I was like, huh. <laughs> I was like, well. You know, I added it up, but I was like, well, number one, I'm not happy with that number. Number two, like, it was just kind of like, there it is, you know, like, there it is, sitting right on the paper. Like, there's your whole life, right, on one piece of paper, you know. And uh, it was just this, like, weird moment for me. And I was like, yeah, 
I don't think, I don't think I want to do that. Um, so I had actually started because I kind of had this, I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a career, but I, you know, I, I knew that people were like making money using the internet. Like I had a, I had a, uh, my old strength conditioning coach who he was a teacher as well. And he left his job to have a gym and an online business around, you know, strength training and for athletes. And, you know, I'd known him since the time like I was 14. So I remember like I would always read his books, uh, you know, his sales letters for his books and his courses. I didn't know they were sales letters at the time. But I was like, man, there's like something going on in my brain when I read these, I could call them articles. And I was like, Zach, when I read your articles, like there's something in my brain like happening. Like, <laughs> how are you, like, how are you such a good writer? And he's like, oh, I just write a lot. I was like, no, <laughs> no, there's something else going on here. Like, that's not it. You know, like I'm sure it's part of it, but that's, that's not all of it, you know? Um, so at the same time, when I started my, my teaching thing, I said, well, I kind of want to have a business like Zach where, uh, you know, I could have a blog or sell, maybe a digital product or something or, you know, just have some kind of other income stream. So that was my kind of first tumble down the rabbit hole. And, um, you know, after two years of teaching and my first job, I got non-renewed, which sucked. Um, and I had to get another teaching job at, uh, actually my district, my home district in, uh, in Old Bridge where I grew up, uh, not at the middle school that I went to. There's two middle schools in town. It was at the other middle school. Um, and I remember my, I was essentially, it was like a $24,000 pay cut. So I, my pay was essentially cut in a third because when I was in my first teaching job, I had, it was the highest paying district for new teachers in the entire state, you know, in terms of like level one, like the highest, the highest uh, salary. Plus mm-hmm. I did lunch duty. So I got like an extra seven or eight grand on top. Plus I was a volunteer wrestling coach, but they gave me a little bit of money as like a bonus um, through like the booster club. So I think all in all, I made like 75 my, my second year. And then I got a job and I was making 52 and I didn't have a wrestling stipend. And I, didn't have the lunch duty anymore. So that like hurt. I was like, damn, my income literally just got cut a third and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I said, okay, well now I have to make this work. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not just a hobby business anymore. It's like now I have to learn how to like turn this whole internet business thing that I've been trying to do, you know, where I had some blogs and I had, you know, a couple websites and I started doing some services here and there. But, uh, I remember that year that I got let go. Um, I only made like that calendar year. I only made seven thousand dollars in revenue, and I was like, "Well, I want to do this full time, but like, how am I going to look my, you know, uh, my then fiance, now wife, you know, in the face and say, hey, 'Hey, I'm not going to go back to work. I'm just going to do this copywriting thing,' you know, when I've had <laughs> only made seven thousand dollars because you know it was bad enough taking the pay cut, getting the other job, um, but to, to go from seventy five to nothing to just doing doing the copywriting full time, like that would have been that was, that was tough. I know people, sometimes they say like, quit your job, go all in. I don't know that I mean, maybe, you know, but like, that's just not me. That's not the path that I took. I don't think that's the safe path. You know, if you're 22, sure. Screw mm-hmm. it. Who cares? You know, like that, you know, when you're not paying health insurance, when you don't have a mortgage, you know, have a family. Okay. Yeah. You could, you could do risks like that. But I, you know, we had, we were just putting out, we were going to get married. We were, uh, my wife and I, you know, we were, um, looking for a house. I need an income, you know? Yeah. So sometimes like when you have that fire under your butt, it kind of forces you to like make stuff happen, you know? Um, so it was almost like a good thing the way that things worked out, but I got that job and I said, okay, it's probably going to be a matter of time because, you know, teaching, like I said, like it's, I didn't hate it, but I just didn't really love it. My heart wasn't in it. And I think my, it's probably the reason I, I, you know, I got let go uh, in the beginning, you know, I wasn't probably wasn't a good fit for elementary and then, I just didn't love it. You know, I just wasn't like a hand in glove fit. And I remember my fourth year of teaching, which was my final year. It was my mid-year review. 
I'd gotten through the first year at the new job, fine, you know, and then uh, I was teaching eighth grade math, special ed at that point. And then my fourth year, uh, was my second year at that other job, I got called in for my mid-year and my principal was essentially like, hey, you know, we could tell, you know, I can kind of tell your heart's not in this, like, you know, you don't really get involved with anything. I was like, well, I coach wrestling, um, you know, and uh, he's like, okay, well, coaching wrestling in the other middle school. He's like, well, that's not here. I said, okay, well, I, I would coach here, but there's no position, you know. We basically went back and forth, and he was like, well, you didn't come to the volleyball game. You didn't do this thing. You didn't come to, like, the staff happy hour and blah, 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 and, like, you don't volunteer for stuff. And I was like, you know, I had a business. <laughs> like, at that point, I was actually making money. I had, like, a retainer. I had clients, you know, yeah. but I didn't tell him any of this. Um, so he was basically like, you know, if we don't see, like, a change, we're gonna, you're, we're not going to renew your contract. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I told my wife and I said, you know, I have I had a retainer at that point for four thousand dollars a month. And I had a handful of other clients here and there. I was working nights and weekends and I told my wife, I said, uh, I'm probably gonna not be working uh next year's teacher <laughs> at the rate that we're going unless it's like I kinda have to choose. It's either like copywriting or teaching. And I don't think teaching is what I want to I mean I know it's not what I want to do. Um it might not have a choice, you know, might might be getting uh non renewed from that because yeah. Like, you know how it is as a teacher. Like, when you're a teacher, that's the only thing that they want you to do. They don't want you to have a side business. They want you to be – you're going to volunteer for the play, and you're going to volunteer for this, and you're going to volunteer for that. You're, you're going to be a part of the school community. <laughs> yeah, like, and like here's the thing. Like, if that's what you do, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not, it's not like I'm not poo-pooing it, like, don't do that stuff. You know, you like that stuff? Cool. I, I hate that stuff. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I just want to show up and get my money and leave. Mm-hmm. But like again, so <laughs> I can't blame them. You know, I actually agree with them. They were they were pretty spot on. Like, yeah, they knew my heart wasn't in it because my behaviors demonstrated that. Um, so they were absolutely 100% right. I, I can't fault them at all. They were on point. But I told her, I said, you know, I'm making almost as much because you know my salary was like 52 or 54. That's I think it was 54 or three. You know, 54,300 dollars give or take and some change, right? So I said I'm making like 4,000 dollars a month in this retainer. I get some other clients here and there, right? So, and that's at my worst 40 hours of the week. You know, like, what if I had my business as my best 40 hours of the week and I didn't have the job? Because what I would do is I would take my sick days and I wouldn't, like, you know, I didn't really get sick sick often, you know? So my sick days, I would just take them off and I would just work like a regular day and, like, be a copywriter. Like, <laughs> when I, you know, if I was off on a Wednesday because I decided to take a sick day, I would just write copy and take client calls and, like, live the life of a copywriter, Right. Um, so it wasn't like LARPing. I was actually like doing it because I had clients and I had projects, but all, every single sick day, every single personal day went towards business, you know? Yeah. Um, so I said, I come and then, and then I'd be done. I'd be done at four or five. And I'd be like, wow. So that's what the life is like as an actual writer. So I, you know, I, I talked to my wife and I said, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it happen because I don't have any other choice. And I have clients. I've had this retainer for nine months. They love me. It's going great. Um, they want more of me, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they would have me full time if they could, you know, but I don't want to do that either. Uh, and I have more time to get clients and making connections. Good things are happening. So I'm going to do it. So I went in, you know, I talked to some colleagues. I told them what I was going to do. Uh, cause I they didn't really like, know I had a business. I kind of like talked about it here and there, but I didn't want to like let too much on, you know? Um, but I talked to like my mentor at the school and I was like, I don't think this is for me. I think there's other things for me. She's like, well, then do it. So I, two weeks, I, it was two weeks after that initial conversation I went in. I told my principal, hey, I'm not going to be coming back next year. I'm going to be resigning. Uh, I said, I, I'll finish up the year if you'd like. Um, he said, okay. 
because otherwise it's a, a 60 day notice. So at that point, it was only like another two months. So I said, I'll just finish out the year, whatever. Give me a little bit more runway, you know, a couple extra, you know, four or five extra paychecks, whatever it is. Yeah. And June 17, 20, sorry, June 16, 2017, that was my last day ever teaching. Yeah. You like answered like five questions <laughs> in one breath. Yeah. But I, I want to go back and just like emphasize some of the, the things that Chris brought up because it's, I think it's really important for our audience to know that, you know, a lot of teachers feel this pressure to, to jump in immediately. And, and like Chris said, it's not, uh, oh, you know, fuck this job. And I'm going to leave immediately without an off ramp without, you know, like, um, would you say that the retainer that you had and, and also collecting a few more paychecks before giving in your final notice that gave you that financial security to leave? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the saying I like, I don't know where it's from. I mean, I've heard it many places, but it's like winning takes care of everything. And I, I really believe that. And I think that is very applicable here because like, like when I had only made $7,000, you know, if you divide that by 12, that's, what is that, $600, not even a month. Mm-hmm. So like for me to, to tell my wife and my, my parents and, you know, my in-laws and everyone else like, hey, I'm leaving my job and doing this thing. They're like, what the hell, what is wrong with you? Like, no, you can't do that. You know, like. But if it's like, hey, I'm making, you know, four or five, six thousand dollars a month, so I'm making more doing this than I am the other thing. It's like, oh, well, kind of makes sense to do that, right? Like, so winning takes care of everything. So that's the thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people go online and was like, you just gotta cut the cord, you just gotta jump in with both feet and you'll never know what happened. And like, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, that works out for the people who you hear about that it works out for. What you don't hear about is the 99 other people who do that, and then they're screwed, and then they get yeah. into some some difficulty. Works out for people it's survivorship who, bias. Works out for people nothing to lose, right? Yeah, and, and and you know, like yes, there is there does come a point when you have to jump, right? Like it's it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be, you know, soft and easy and oh no friction. There is always yeah. going to be some friction. There's always going to be a tough decision at some point. You know, you're going to have to debate it off at some point, and it's going to hurt for a few seconds. But um, you can kind of set yourself up so you're good. If you have client flow, you have lead flow, you have cash flow, and you, you have cash in the bank, these things help. You know what I mean? Like my wife was working. We had that paycheck as well. So God forbid, God forbid anything bad happened. We still have her paycheck. We can pay the mortgage, pay our bills. God forbid anything happened, I could get another teaching job. God forbid anything happened, I could go bartend. I was a bartender. I was a bouncer. I could make – I could find something else to do. It's not like I didn't have any – skills like i still had a college degree i still had you know i could make it we'd survive we wouldn't be eaten out of the trash can you know what i mean yeah. so like you know it, it wasn't like like all or nothing like do this or we're gonna die you know like it, there was obviously safety nets there but uh it, it was still scary you know so what kind of like time and you know financial investments that you make you know while still teaching to get good enough at copywriting you were getting these retainers and clients and that helped you feel like, okay, I'm ready to, to cut the cord. What kinds of, um, so, what were your, how do you manage all of your time doing all of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it really depends on like what stage of life you're in. You know, when I started teaching after I graduated college, I was um, 24, 23. I forget. Uh, maybe I just turned 24. Right. So, you know, if you're 24 versus 44, like different stages, you know, like yeah. a lot of people, I, I've worked with a lot of people in that, in that scenario where they are 44, they have two kids, three kids, you know, or, or whatever their situation might be, or their spouse doesn't work. So like, yeah, it's, it's a different dynamic. You know, I'm not going to, 
that I understand that. Like, I'm not, so the advice that I give, like, some of it has to be taken with a grain of salt. Yep. So I'm not going to say everyone has to do X, Y, Z. Like, no, everyone's situation is way different. I, I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I had, um, I was able to reinvest a lot of money and I was able to reinvest a lot of time because I didn't have kids. You know, my wife and I weren't living together at the beginning. Eventually, you know, obviously, like, uh, towards year three, I think was when we, we finally moved in on the house, right? Um, so we started, but again, still like, you know, she was at work. I was doing my thing. Um, you know, kids at the point, so like we still had a lot of free time available, so I could reinvest that. And I worked, I worked hard. I mean, I worked every single day, and I'm not even, I'm not like, oh yeah, he's just saying that. Like, no, I, I can count on two hands how many days I took off from working in four years. Even on vacation, I would work. I'd bring books, I'd bring my laptop, I'd bring, I'd work on projects. You know, even if I had my laptop with me, I worked every single day, Saturday, Sunday. I worked till nine o'clock, ten o'clock, so it was eleven o'clock at night. I had clients on the West Coast. I had clients in Europe. I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and take calls. I worked on my lunch breaks. I worked all the damn time. Did I have to do that looking back? Maybe not. I don't know. Like, maybe if I didn't do as much, maybe if I did 80 or 90% of that, would I have gotten a similar outcome? Maybe. I don't know. You know, I can't go back. I can't run that experiment. I probably didn't. I probably did more than I needed to. But, again, I needed to make sure that I made things happen. A lot of people that I've coached, that I've worked with, didn't have to do all the stuff that I did. So maybe I'm an idiot. I, you know, who knows, right? Uh, but that, that's, that's the way it worked out. But what I did was I invested into a few things. Invest in skill development, obviously, because you got to get good. You have to be good. Yeah. If you're going to get, make enough money, you, you can't be a bum. You have to be good. So skill development is huge. Like there's no way around that. Like, and that takes time. It takes time. It takes reps, just like building muscle in the gym, time under tension. Like the more time you're on the machine, the more time your muscles are under tension, the stronger they're going to become. It's the same thing with writing. The more time you put in writing, the better you're going to get at writing. The more feedback and guidance and coaching and instruction you get from the right people, that's going to help. The other thing that I invested in, this is very huge, a lot of people don't ever understand this, is you need to invest in a network. So I invested in Kevin Rogers. I invested a lot of money into Kevin Rogers. I told myself I'm going to keep paying Kevin Rogers until he knows who the hell I am. I'm going to keep paying more and more and more until I I'm his best student you know, through time of just working with him or just, you know, everything. Kevin told me to jump. I'd say how high. And every single thing that he did, I did. I didn't complain. I didn't push. I said, I didn't say, why is X, Y, Z? I said, you tell me to do this, I'll do it, right? And I, be, I think, I mean, I could be wrong. One of his best students, I think I became, you know. Um, so I picked a mentor who I knew was legit. He wasn't, you know, there's a lot of charlatans out there. Kevin's legit, right? So I said, he's the guy. I'm going to give him, I'm gonna, I, I literally said this. I said, I'm going to keep on giving this guy money till he knows my first name, till he knows who I am, till I stand out, till, you know, I'm aligned with that guy. Cause I knew he knew people. I knew he had a network. I didn't have the network. Right. So, and, and every investment that I made, obviously I made many investments with him over the years, uh, for five, six, seven years, however long it was. Right. Now we're partners, right. Uh, with email copy Academy, but even like outside of that, like other communities, I'd say, could there be clients in here? Like, Okay, this community, this membership site's a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars a year. If I join there, get my client, and will that client be worth more than the cost of the community? Because if I get one job for two thousand dollars over the next twelve months, and I only pay the thousand dollars, I double my money, right? Mm-hmm. And I now have a client, I now have their network. I have the other network of the people in the group. So I started buying my way in to networks, and this is what people don't get: like you can make an investment into a network. And it doesn't mean you have to necessarily go to join a membership site. It could be you going to a live event and you meeting people there and shaking hands. And now you have people who you know and people who know you. But like there has to be some of that because you're a teacher. You're out of school. No one at the school is doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Most likely no one in your friend circle. Like I, you know, we still have a lot of teacher friends that we hang out with, you know, like uh, people that, you know, 
uh, used to work with and things that I talk to, you know, every now and again. But like, they're not doing, you know, like our friend circles, like there's no one doing what you're doing. Right? It's not like a tech hub. It's not like you're going to, you know, New York City where there's business happening. Like you're in a school, you know, mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of copywriting going on besides what you're doing. Right. So you need to get into rooms, digital rooms, groups, networks, uh, you know, cartels where there are people who are sharing these opportunities, who are mixing up, who have deal flow, who have lead flow, who have people who you can connect with, uh, you know, either through getting a direct referral or just being a member of the group and people say, oh, you know, uh, Susie over there, she's really good at this. You should talk to Susie, right? Like being that person. So, but I reinvested into a lot of those type of opportunities because I knew if I buy my way into connections and buy my way into relationships, I hired a fitness coach one time because I knew that he also did copywriting and had a lot of clients and would sometimes pass overflow to people. So I hired this guy as a fitness coach and he actually introduced me a few clients. And this is actually still something I, I do. I see if I know someone has a high profile like business, I'll say, hmm, let me invest with them for XYZ service or coaching or whatever it is, even if it's outside the realm of marketing. And then I will get my way into their network. Right. Yeah. So again, it costs money. Right. Like you can't do that if you're not making anything. But once I started to make anything, I said, let me a certain percentage of my income should be investing into growing my personal network. Um, What I'm seeing a lot of. The people who reach out to me might not understand, like, uh, the importance of communities and they're stuck at the level of, you know, I'm trying to find work on free Facebook groups or on LinkedIn. Want to like speak, like speak to that? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I haven't been in those groups in a very long time, so I don't know what they're like now. I know what they were like back then, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago. Um, I think that there's probably good ones and bad ones. I think mean, there's probably a lot of bad ones. Uh, I remember, like, you know, the ClickFunnels group was a notorious one uh, four or five years ago, and it was 100,000 people or whatever it was. Like, every single day, it was just people, like, spamming with these offers and I was like you know they had other groups they had like paid groups and those groups were good but I know like the free open group that anyone could join was kind of like a cesspool was a mess right um so you know are there good ones I'm sure that there are I just I just don't know off the top of my head you know there might just be needles on the haystack type scenario I know back in the day there were some good free ones that I was involved in uh coffee with Dan Dan Meredith over in the UK like he had a big one that was uh, you know, really generous community. I think it was 15,000 or so people. I got clients. I met one of my best friends, Mike Yonda from that group. Um, we're still friends with this day, eight years later. Um, and helped him kind of, you know, with his fitness business way back when other businesses and he's introduced new clients over the years. It was a great connection. He came from a free Facebook group. That's how we initially met. Um, so I'm sure that they're out there, you know, um, again, like groups, or one thing, there's also, you can build your own group, right? Like there's also just people who you can meet. Like I meet people on Twitter all the time, you know, like people that I connect with and it obviously helps when you have a body of work and a website and these other things, but everyone starts somewhere, you know, like you got to start building somewhere. You got to start building relationships or building a website or building articles and building all these things, you know, um, because then you have them. Once they're built, you have them, you know, it's like you build your castle one brick at a time and then you have a castle at the end. But if you never start laying bricks, you never have the castle, you know? So, you know, I don't know, free groups versus paid groups. I think the paid ones are just generally better because you have a higher caliber of person because if someone's willing to invest, A, they have money, which means they're probably making money for the most part, you know. Um, and if they're probably making money, then they're probably hiring to help them grow the business. So yeah. as long as those, like, conditions are met, you know, you're usually in good company. Yeah, like on Copy Chief, like, they have to pay to post 
the job listings on there. So it's not just any random person posting, you know, kind of a, <laughs> they're like pretty scam uh, copy and content job listings out there. Uh, and, and it just, it saves so much time. Like Chris said, it can be finding a needle in a haystack to look for those really good groups. Um, so I, w I was also just wondering if, like now is the period of time where teachers have a break and maybe 30, 40 days before going back into the classroom, you know, uh, not everyone's going to be ready to leave the classroom and, and start copywriting. What do you think would be the number one thing they should focus on? Um, just because you said you were using every free hour, every free day, vacation days to focus on copywriting, right? Like, um, what's the number one thing you would focus on during this, like, short period of time before school starts up again? Um, I mean, one thing, it's tough. Uh, you know, I think if you can, if you can get to a live event, those are, those are good because it's a different dynamic when you're in the room with someone. And, like, sometimes it feels like it's very hard to stand out online, but, like, if you organically get into a conversation with the person sitting next to you and you shake their hand and look them in the eye and there's not a thousand other people who are, who are little profiles on the screen who there's no differentiation yeah. and it's just you and the person you know that that's a good advantage and i know a lot of people who gotten some exceptional opportunities just by literally being in the room rather than having to compete and stand out people who who and this might sound mean but that's not my intention who, who didn't really have anything noteworthy about them at that stage of their careers, they're able to land good opportunities because of who they knew, and those opportunities helped them transform into someone who had many noteworthy experiences and and connections and and uh, you know projects and things under their belt. So all it takes is one opportunity. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Like that retainer, the four thousand dollar retainer that I had, you know, circling back to the beginning, that came from a referral from a guy I knew who was a copywriter who was subcontracting work and he put out a post, uh, his name is John. He put out a post and said, I'm looking for someone, you know, John Carlton calls like the shameless whore phase. I'm looking for someone who's in their like shameless whore phase of copywriting. Who's willing to do like, you know, some copy work on the cheap for some clients. I said, screw it. I'll do it. Cause I was taking anything. I didn't care. I was like, I don't care if I'm making $0 as long as I'm working and meeting people and people are seeing my work and I'm getting feedback. I'm actually getting projects. The money's not important. It's kind of like this startup mentality of like there's startups who get a hundred million dollars in funding and they'll make no revenue for three years while they're yeah. building the product and getting you know product market fit and then acquiring users. And then once they have 50 million users, they turn on the monetization, then boom, they're like a $10 billion mm -hmm. company, right? I kind of took that similar thing where I was in the beginning, the money's not important because I have a paycheck because I have a job. I have a teaching job. I have a paycheck coming every two weeks. So yeah, it, obviously I want to make money. It's why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it to acquire clients, to acquire experience, to acquire mm -hmm. testimonials and success stories and case studies and knowledge and confidence and belief in myself that I can actually do this. And once I had that, when I turned the monetization on, everything went through the roof, right? People don't get that because they don't really understand basic business concepts, especially teachers. And why would you? Because you're not a business person because you're a teacher. You probably didn't go to business school. Neither did I. But that's why when you're reading and learning, you start to think differently. You start to think with this different mentality. So that's absolutely necessary. So, anyway, so this guy, John, he posted that gig in a free Facebook group that I was in. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, I'll do it. I wrote like a 20-page sales letter for like 200 bucks. It was – you want to talk about shameless horror copy work? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it ticked the box, definitely. 
But I said, screw it. I don't care. I don't care if you give me $5. I don't care. I'll do it. I will do the gig. And people hear that. People don't like when I say that. They say, you want me to work for free? You want me to work for nothing? No, I'm not saying that. And your situation might be different, right? Depending on who you are listening to this. But for me, I just didn't care about the money as much as I cared about those other things. Those other things were more important assets than the actual dollars in the bank account. Because I knew that if I got really good and knew enough people that the bigger opportunities would come down the road. And then I would just continue to charge more and more. And that's what I started doing. So he brought me on because he knew I was good. He knew my stuff was great. He introduced me to the client. Eventually, he left the gig, and then it was just me. So I was writing all the copies for the company. I became the head copywriter. And I worked with that client for 31 months. So um, I probably made – let me – if I do back of the cocktail napkin math. Because at first, it was $4,000 for a while. And then it moved to a variable retainer where they had so much more work. And they said, can we pay you based on how much work we give you? I said, absolutely. And $100 an hour. So there were months when I was making – you know, 50, 600, 6,200, 6,800, 7,200 from that one retainer client, right? And then, okay, maybe every now and then there was a month when there was only 3,600, but that was very rare. Most of the time it was over the $4,000 retainer. So if I add up over 31 months, how much money it was easily 150K, maybe closer to $200,000 I got from that one client over the course of two and a half years, right? But again, like that was one opportunity. If I just said no to that one thing, mm-hmm. Imagine the trajectory. Imagine the change. Because once I got that job from that client, people at that company started going to other companies, big companies, right? And I would, I had five people I knew, six people I knew who would go to other companies and say, hey, we need someone like you over here too. Can you help with these projects? And I still get people to this day from that company that I haven't worked with in five, six years, however long it's been. And every now and again, once a year, I'll hear from them. They'll hook me up. Hey, do you know anyone for this? You know, can you help us out with this project? Still paying dividends, right? Mm-hmm. And all those people who they introduced me to, those people then introduced me to other people. So, again, this is what I mean. It's like one opportunity. It's like you plant one seed in the ground, and then a tree grows, and then all these branches grow. And then what happens? They drop seeds, and more trees grow, and a whole forest is built. That's how it happens. Did you have, like, a way of knowing where to plant those seeds? Because I'm sure there were some, like, bad seeds along the way, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, there were tons of people who just took advantage of me, and, you know, people were just jerk-offs. But, like, you know, I, I... You know, I was willing to get taken advantage of because I knew, again, I knew if I had one good opportunity. So I was, I said, and again, people don't like when I say this. They don't like it. They say, no, you should know your worth and charge for your value. And hey, they're not wrong. <laughs> but I don't know. I, like I said, I, I was willing to do it all. I said, I will, I will do any project. I don't care the price. Obviously, I want to charge a good amount. But if the client came back and countered, cool, screw it. 50, you know. If I say seventy-five dollars an email and they said fifty, okay, screw it, whatever. Just PayPal me the money. Let's go. Let's get going. You know, like I'm not, I'm not gonna haggle. Let's get the project done. Mm-hmm. Let's make this thing a success and let's move on. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what does it say? You kiss a few frogs and get to your prince, right? Like, I think that is applicable sometimes. This is why you mentioned, I think, in one of your pictures, something about you, you, if you want to become a copywriter, you gotta be like super reasonable and like your belief mm-hmm. in yourself. And I think this like really demonstrates that. Um, I I want to backtrack for a bit. So, for listeners who don't know what retainers are, Chris has like a really great course on them, like retainers, royalties, and uh, revenue with uh, Kim Krause Schwalm. Do you want Do you want to share a bit like what a retainer is? Because I'm realizing a lot of teachers are still in the mentality that oh, um, copywriting is another job. I need a resume. Um, I need to know how much they're paying and things like that when there's actually so many different ways to get paid as a copywriter. Do you want to share what a retainer is? 
Yeah, so a retainer is a deal. It's a contract that you make with a company where like if a company needs help with copy, marketing, anything, anything, it could be fulfillment, it could be customer service, really any kind of position, but let's use the term of copywriting and marketing, right? They want to build out a marketing team. They don't want to go with an agency, so maybe they'll go with a freelancer, but they want the freelancer to be around to do certain things. They don't want to just do one project and then see you later, freelancer, right? They want to keep that person, but they don't want to make them an employee. The reason why they might not want to make them an employee is because maybe they don't need a full-time person. They don't need a 40-hour week, you know, W-2 person, maybe what they need is only 10 hours a month or 15 hours a month worth of work. And not that you have to sell by hours. I'm just for the sake of, of just easy, you know, discussion here. I'm just using that framing, right? Or maybe it's, we just need someone to do 10 emails a month and how maybe it takes you two hours, like whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, so they say, well, we need these things done. We don't want to hire employees who so want to put someone on a contract. So uh, the contract is essentially just another word for like a contract, like a retainer where it's like an ongoing thing. So like, it's like, okay, I'll come in, I'll do 20 emails for you a month and I'll charge you $5,000 and on a retainer, right? So they retain you, you stick around, you become kind of part of the team, but you're not W2. You have the contract, you execute the deliverables every month. And that's the essence of retainer. There's obviously nuance to that in terms of how you structure these payment terms. There's a lot of nuance behind all of that, but at its core, that's what a retainer is. What I would do, and again, I don't necessarily recommend this for everyone, but I would do buffet retainers. Like, oh, you can do buffet. Like, you know, you pay one fee, you get everything. Hey, how much copy do you need? I'll give you, give you a very piece of copy you need. This is why I was able to charge so much because I'd say, yeah, okay, cool. It's going to be $4,000. All right, all the copy. Give me as much copy as, as you can. Because what I found was that, A, I was an exceptionally fast writer and still am. I'm probably one of the fastest writers ever meet. Um, and I'll say that. I'll, I'll go toe-to-toe with anyone. I'm fast. B, um, could write so fast that I could ship like, cool. I, I'd have months when they give me 50 emails and I'd ship them all in a few, few pages because by the time I gave them all that stuff, then they'd have 50 emails, all these pages and they'd have to get it built and have to get implemented and they have to run the launch. So the next month would be easy because <laughs> they'd have this backlog of stuff they had to get through. And like, people don't get that. They're like, oh, I can never do that. I can never do a buffet. I'm like, okay, well maybe depending on the client, but like for me and the client, I'm like, Cool. You load me up one month. That's totally fine. Now you're going to spend the next month and your whole team is going to work. So there's a little bit of like a protection built in. There were ebbs and flows and things like that. So again, I don't necessarily recommend that. What I recommend now is, you know, you have set deliverables for a set fee and then that makes the variables easy. But in the beginning, I was playing it fast and loose and I was like, screw it, whatever. Let's do it. Let's get the deal going. Cut the check. Let's get it going. Give me that money. I'll give you whatever you need. I'll stay up late. I'll wake up early. I don't care. I'll get it done. And that's how I kind of like got that initial momentum. Um, how like the maximum number of retainers you had going at one time? Oh, um, probably three or four. You know, it's I'll probably say around three or four. You know, it's tough to remember. Um, I mean, right now I have wide well, consulting retainers now. Um, so I have four of those, I think. And I have a few more that I'm like working on. Those are a little different because it's more brain work and less writing work. Um, but you could have multiple retainers. I mean, again, like I have, I have one of my students right now, like he does daily emails for clients. So like it might take him 20 to 30 minutes to write email for a client. Client pays him $5,000 a month plus performance. And okay. So if you have four clients, then, and it takes you half an hour to write an email, then you work two hours a day and that's $20,000 plus performance. You know what I mean? So it just depends on what you're doing. It depends on how yeah. you structure the deal and what you put into it. So they can be very lucrative. I like them. Yeah. I, I just brought this up because like I said, a lot of teachers are still stuck in the job mentality, right? Just looking for the one thing with regular pay every month, but there's 
like like Chris said, layering on different retainers, there's there's really no limit to the amount of like income, um, other than like your time and and your you know other constraints. Like, what would you say to a teacher who thinks it's impossible to command like so much authority and income and copywriting, especially coming from a field where it's like the opposite? We we didn't have much. Um, I mean, a lot of us don't face a lot of respect in the classroom or in, in schools. And like the income wasn't great either. Mm. Well, <clears throat> life is kind of what you make it, right? Um, it's all what you choose to accept. And I don't want to sound like glib when I say that. And I hope it's not coming across the way, but it is the truth. Like, yeah, sure. People may, people saw me that way and now they don't. <laughs> people don't even know as a teacher, you know, they have no idea. Uh, unless I tell them, I say, wow. Holy crap, how did how did you build all this? How did you do that, right? Because um, I made it happen. You know, we live in a, in a in a will to power world, right? Like Nietzschean concept, right? Like, are you going to exert your will upon the world? No. Do you want to make this happen? No. Are you going to make it happen or not? Are you going to put the steps? Are you going to overcome? Put the steps in action. Overcome any obstacle. Are you going to change people's perception of you? Are you going to upgrade every aspect about you? to become this new person who you want to be. You can. Yeah. It's a choice. It, it's difficult. It's not easy. You know, it's not push this button and ten thousand dollar retainer in the next seven days or your money back. You know, that's what a lot of people want. A lot of people want that. I don't blame them. Nice promise. Not always how it works out, right? Uh, but it really just depends like, you know, you're gonna live and you're gonna die. Some stuff's gonna happen in between. You get to determine a lot of a lot of that stuff in between. You get to determine whether you're going to make this happen. You have a, you have a vote. You have a say. You're allowed to determine what happens with your life. Most people don't ever realize that. Uh, maybe they like consciously like know it's a possibility, but they don't realize it down in their DNA with every fiber of their being. Mm-hmm. They don't ever make a change. And again, not to be a dick, but like there's winners and losers in life, and you got to choose: are you going to be a winner or are you going to be a loser? And again, it goes back to that idea of choice. Like you have the choice. You are allowed to choose. Yeah. People say, yeah, Chris, well, it's easier for you to say because you made it. Like, yeah, I made it because I made it. I made it happen. I worked every day. I worked 80 hours a week. Four years. I made it happen. I used my sick days to, to write copy. Mm-hmm. You know, I woke up at 5 a.m. to take calls from Europe. Take calls from everywhere. I stayed up late. I clients on the West Coast. I clients all over the place. Every lunch break, I was in my car on the phone, listening to podcasts, coaching. Well, I read hundreds of books. I bought every single course out there. I invested every single dollar I had. Been like foregoing starting a retirement account at 23, you know, which probably would have been a good idea, but I didn't do it because I said that money I'm going to invest into. Um, not that I'm saying you know, it's not financial advice, right? But you know, I said screw it. I gotta make this happen. I gotta make it happen. So, you know, it's 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 not easy. It's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. It's a very difficult road. You have to decide if it's worth it. For me, it was worth it. I think it could be worth it for a lot of people listening to this too. Yeah. But you gotta make it happen. Yeah. It's like winning takes care of everything. Winning takes care of everything. Winning takes care of everything. Are you gonna be a winner or loser? You get to decide. Yeah, especially you know um, teachers who are still like stuck knee deep in in all of it and cannot picture themselves outside of it. I hope that, you know, Chris's story 
helps you picture it, but also see how much work and time and money actually goes into it. Uh, so what about for like teachers who, so this is the last question, like what, 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 what about for teachers who have already um, broken into copywriting and, you know, hope to build an empire like yours one day? Um, hmm. I guess what I would say is you really have to take that uh, advice of like, you know, everything's a matter of capital allocation, which is just a concept that just means like, where do you put your dollars, you invest your dollars, and then, you know, there's different things that you can invest your dollars in, right? Like it's, within the context of business, I'm not talking about like 401ks or 403bs or any of that stuff, right? I'm just talking about in the context of like, you're building a business, you could put your dollar in ads, you could put your dollar in getting a website built, you could leave your money in your bank account, you could cut yourself a check, you could invest in a mentor, you could join a community, you could buy a piece of software, like there's all, all infinite places for you to put your dollars. I think that you need to put your dollars by into something that helps you build your network because you need people like you can't do this alone you need people to know who you are you're gonna need referrals you're going to need you know people who are going to like kevin rogers says that signal you because they know oh you know tanya is really good xyz like you should go talk to her about that if no one knows who you are that's never going to happen right so like you need, even if you're an introvert, like you need people to know who you are. You need opportunity flow. You need deal flow. You need referral flow. You need client flow, which all those things lead to cash flow, right? And cash is oxygen. So like, I would like, this is why I'm so big on copy chief. Like you, you should be in copy chief. Like if you want to do this, that's where people who are careerists go. Like when you want to have a copy career, that's where you go. That's yeah. why you go there because you're not following some 19 year old dipshit on TikTok who's saying, I make, $80,000 a month as a copywriter, and they're just completely lying because I would know them. I know everyone. Mm -hmm. I know tens of thousands of people. I have a lot of them on. I have just, I had 21,000 people on email, email list. I just chiseled a bunch off, right? Like, I know a lot of people in this industry. A people full of shit. Kevin's not. Copy Chief is not. Copy Chief's legit as hell. So, you know, are there other communities that are legit? Absolutely. There's, there's definitely a few more rattle off the top of my head. That's the one that I joined and it was absolutely pivotal for me. So, you know, you got to just, you got to, I always say like the world is run by cartels. You either got to build one or you got to join one, but you can't be without one. So find your cartel. Can you also share a bit about, um, I mean, you technically you build your cartel too, right? With your email list. Like you talk about the power of that and scaling Chris Orzakowski. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just documentation of, of what I've done. You know, like I just, I just started writing about things that I, it's funny, like writers don't do this for a lot of them don't do this for themselves. It's like they'll write for clients, but they won't write for themselves. Like, you know, I'm a good writer. I'm going to write about the stuff I'm doing because it's, it's like, you know, you watch much like a uh, flip or flop or one of these home, you know, renovation shows. And what do they do? They, they renovate the home and they sell it. They make money there. They also get money the TV show from people watching what they're doing, right? So like, I'm going to write copy and do these projects. And then I'm also going to make money by letting people watch me do those things. When I say watch, I mean, in terms of, oh, they read my blog or they joined my list, or maybe I launched a product or maybe I do consulting. I build the TV show, the Chris Orzakowski show that people can tune into, right? And there's no reason why you can't do that for yourself. Like no one invited me. No one knocked on my door. 
Chris, you know, it'd be really cool if you started blogging. Can you do that, please? Because we'd love to read your articles and, and help you build this empire. No one did that. <laughs> I kicked down the door. I took it for myself. And you are going to have to do the same thing. Yep. No one's going to invite you to start doing this. You have to just start doing it mm-hmm. if you want to go down that path. Awesome. Uh, where's the best place people can find you and, and see what you're up to? Yeah, if you go to theemailcopywriter.com, that's my site. You can get on my list and get a free copy of my book there. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Chris Orzy, O-R-Z-Y. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Uh, this has been really exciting. I think it's going to be something I'll remember for a long time. So uh, I'm going to sign off now, and we're going to have another episode in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening.